0: Hebrews 11, beginning at 32. Verse 32, it says, And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, Out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being afflicted, destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains, in dens and caves of the earth." These all having obtained a good report through faith received not the promise god having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect <clears throat> last week we looked at faith's power we saw the that what faith could do and how that god used many of these people to accomplish things that were humanly impossible through faith. And that takes us up through the very first phrase of verse 35. But there's a, a change all of a sudden right in the middle of verse 35. And in the second part, we see faith's power here to endure that which was humanly unthinkable, to endure suffering that was intense. Of course, the suffering of the righteous is demonstrated throughout history. We go back all the way to Genesis, the book of Genesis, and there we see Abel. Of course, he's mentioned here in the first part of Hebrews 11. Abel, really the first martyr, murdered by his brother, Galatians chapter 4 and verse 29, there we read of Ishmael persecuting, that's the word that's used there, that he persecuted Isaac. Of course, he was mocking, mocking him there he's a young teenager. Isaac was a, just a little boy at his, the weaning celebration they were having for him. There he was mocking Joseph suffered greatly at the hands of his brothers, who sold him into slavery. Of course, Israel, the story of Israel suffering cruel bondage there in Egypt for many years. The Old Testament records the persecution of the prophets. The Gospels in the New Testament record the persecution of Jesus by the religious leaders. The Book of Acts records the persecution of the Apostles. And so persecution has been going on since the beginning of time. There's been persecution. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus was speaking to His disciples and He warned them, He gave them notice that they would be suffering. Matthew chapter 10, as he's sending them out, he says in verse 17, But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. Verse 18, he says, And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. Down in verse 21 of the same chapter, he says, And the brother shall deliver the brother to death. The father, the child, the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. And then down in verse 24, he says, The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as or be like his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? What is he telling his disciples? Listen, you're my disciples. You've seen them persecute me. You're not greater than me. You are going to face persecution. You are going to face persecution. And of course, if you'll recall there, the Garden of Gethsemane, as Jesus was being taken by the mob led by Judas, Jesus told them, he asked him, who are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth he goes, well, I am he, and if you're seeking me, let these go. And the disciples fled from him. They were afraid. And what happened? That night, Peter... Peter was curious. He wanted to see what was going on, so he was hanging out at a distance to watch what Jesus what would happen to Jesus. And but when push came to shove, what did he do? No, I don't know the man. He denied Jesus 3 times because he was afraid that he would be persecuted. Paul suffered greatly for Christ. Of course, in 2 Corinthians chapter eleven, he gives the, a list there. It's it's like uh, I don't know if it's a, a bucket list of suffering, but it is a it is quite a list of things that Paul experienced. And he was suffering for righteousness' sake. Second Corinthians chapter eleven, verses twenty-three to 33, 10 verses there. And he's speaking. He's speaking of others. Warning of false teachers, but he says, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, of course that's beatings, whippings. Above measure, in prisons, more frequent. In deaths, oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Thrice I severed shipwreck. A night and a day have I been in the deep." In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils of false brethren, in weariness and <clears throat> painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Beside those things which are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Anyway, he goes on, but what a list. What a list of things that he suffered for the cause of Christ. And he endured to the end. He endured to the end by faith. In Colossians 1.24, Paul speaks of filling up the sufferings of Christ. Of course, there what he's referring to is that Jesus had suffered on earth, but now he had gone to heaven, and he had been called to continue in the what he calls the fellowship of those sufferings. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12, and this is of course a very familiar passage. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12, <clears throat> Paul says this. He says, Yea, And all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Persecution is part of the Christian life. Persecution. Mark my words. This is what the scripture says. Persecution is a part of the Christian life. If it's not then you probably don't meet the qualifications of the verse. Because the Bible says here, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So persecution is part of the Christian life. We can expect it. And in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12, as Peter is speaking to those who are suffering and he says this, Beloved, think it not strange Concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Don't be shocked when persecution comes. Don't be surprised as if, well, where, where's God? Did, did, was God aware of what was going on? Why is this happening to me? See, listen, don't respond like that. He says, beloved, think it not strange. Think it not strange concerning persecution that will come. Of course, here in Hebrews, chapter eleven, we read through this list, and it's quite a list. We see here <clears throat> it says others were tortured. There were those who were tortured. Of course, he may have the writer of Hebrews probably even had in mind those sufferings which occurred prior to the birth of Christ. That space in between the testaments, and there under Antiochus or Antiochus, Epiphanes, those sufferings of the Jews under that king, and his he was very brutal, and many people suffered. They were tortured. Verse 36. Others had trial of cruel mockings, cruel mockings and scourgings. And you think, I mean, what comes to mind there, of course, is even Christ, as he's there with Pilate. And what did Pilate allow the soldiers to do? Oh, he's a king. And so the soldiers took these thorns and they, they weaved them into a crown and then they put it on his head and beat it into his skull with a, with a rod. And then they took a purple robe and put it on him. And they spit on him. They ripped out his beard. They had scourged him. And they said, ha, ah, the king, toying with him mockings and scourgings, moreover, bonds and imprisonment, stoned. Think of those who were stoned. Of course, Paul was stoned and left for dead. In fact, they thought he was dead. Stephen, stoned to death. They were sawn asunder. We don't have any record in Scripture of anyone that was sawn asunder, but tradition holds that Isaiah was actually sawn in two under Manasseh's orders with a woodsman's saw, cut in two with a saw. And that's how Isaiah met his end. They was sawn asunder, tempted, slain with the sword. If you think about Jezebel, as she destroyed the prophets of the Lord back in 1 Kings, They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, having nothing, afflicted, tormented. Verse 38, they wandered in deserts and in mountains and dens and caves of the earth, hiding. Of course, that brings to mind First Kings 18. After Jezebel had killed the prophets of the Lord, well, she didn't get them all. And there was a man by the name of Obadiah. And Obadiah was the governor of Ahab's house. He lived in the palace. But it says, Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, for it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah took an hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. It was Obadiah putting his life at risk to feed and to hide a hundred prophets of the Lord. When Ahab and, of course, Jezebel had just slain the prophets, all that she could find. Think of the Old Testament prophets, Jeremiah. Of course, Jeremiah suffered greatly. Terrible time in in, in the history of Israel. The kings were not listening. And there... Jeremiah was thrown into a dungeon, hopefully to die. There was no water there, it said, but mire. And it says that he sunk up to his, his armpits there. Josephus talks about it and says he sunk up to his neck in mud. And they were hoping that the mud would just kind of swallow him up and he would suffocate and die and disappear. Of course, the Lord, of course, the Lord delivered him and he was drawn out. Of that pit. And Micaiah, the prophet, he's prophesying. And there in 1 Kings chapter 22, when Ahab and Jehoshaphat joined forces to go to battle, and Jehoshaphat said, Well, shouldn't we inquire of the Lord? And Ahab had his prophets come in, the prophets of Baal, and they said, Oh, go out, you're going to smite these. Smite the enemy, you will be victorious. And Joshua said, well, isn't there a prophet of the Lord around? Can we get a second opinion from a a real prophet? And Ahab said, oh, well, there's one, Micaiah, but I hate him because he never says anything good to me. (laughs) Never says anything good. Well, Micaiah came in and spoke for the Lord, told of Ahab's coming death. But after he'd prophesied, they sent him back to prison. You know, when you you go to the doctor, you need to hear the truth. If you go to a doctor that just tells you things you want to hear, the doctor's not worth your time. And here was Ahab. He didn't want to hear the truth. He just wanted someone to say something that he'd like to hear. Of course, his prophet spoke the truth. In Second Chronicles chapter twenty-four, verses twenty to twenty-two, Joash the king, Jehoiada the priest had helped him as a young boy, helped protect him. He became king at a very early age. But then, as he became a man later in his life, he turned against Jehoiada the priest's son, Zechariah, and had him killed had him stoned great suffering great suffering of course after the scriptures after, after the period of history of the scriptures that they're recorded there there's still great sufferings the suffering of the sufferings of the reformers you think of those modern days since the close of the scriptures many of those are recorded in fox's book of martyrs but here we notice in Hebrews 11 that there is a difference. The beginning of this list in verse 32 speaks of those who, through faith, experience great victories. And that's one end of the spectrum. But on the other end of the spectrum, others and others were tortured. The other end of the spectrum. And you see the gross and the grievous persecution that they experienced there's a great difference between here these people of faith because this passage does not say by faith david samson gideon and these great things happened by faith and then there were these others who died no the passage tells us that all of these lived by faith and those that died died by faith Believers differ in their troubles. There are those who live at the extremes here. Gideon, Think of the extreme there, the great victory that he had with 300 men. But on the other hand, Jeremiah, Stephen, martyrs for the faith. Most of us live somewhere in between those extremes. Now, we may experience some persecution. We may... We may be mocked. We may, may be made fun of for what we believe. But none of us in here have resisted unto blood, as the writer of Hebrews talks about in Hebrews chapter 12. So we, we don't really know what it's like to be at either end. But there are great differences in what people will suffer. There's great exploits. There's great suffering. And it's natural for us When we undergo suffering of any kind, it will be natural for us to respond as Peter did in John chapter 21. you remember when Jesus was speaking to Peter, and this was just before His ascension, it was after the resurrection, the end of the book of John, Jesus is there speaking to the disciples, speaking to Peter who had denied him three times, and he asks him those three times, Lovest thou me? And then in verse 18, Jesus prophesies concerning Peter and his death. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. Very cryptic saying. But in verse 19, it says, This spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. When he had spoken this, he said unto him, Follow me. And Peter, in verse 20, he looks around and sees John and says, Well, what about him? Peter, turning about, seeing the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee, Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? And Jesus saith unto him, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. It'd be easy for us, undergoing persecution, to say, well, Lord, what about... Why am I suffering this? And he's not. Well, what about him? Look, easy for us to look around and compare ourselves to other people. The natural response when we face persecution or when we face suffering. Why are you picking on me, Lord? Why me? But Jesus described Peter's death. And he answered Peter in two parts. First of all, he says... If I will, that is my will for him. This is my will for you. And then he also made note in verse 19, this spake, he signifying by what death he should glorify God. God is glorified when we suffer for righteousness sake. God is glorified. And he speaks of that back in Matthew chapter 5 in the Beatitudes. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you for my name's sake. He says, for so treated they the prophets in the Old Testament. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. In Hebrews 11, back at the beginning of the chapter... The first two people he mentions, Abel and Enoch. Boy, they had different ends, didn't they? Abel was murdered by his brother. And Enoch, boy, he went the way we all want to go. You know, there he was just walking with the Lord one day, and the Lord just took him. He didn't even die. He just was gone and in the presence of the Lord. What a way to go. Or maybe like Elijah, the chariot of fire. But... That's not always the case. And Paul in Philippians, he says, "I'm in a strait, whether to stay or to depart, the time of my departure is at hand, because I'd, I'd love to stay, but I want to be in the presence of the Lord. Note here in Hebrews 11. In verse 35, where we have this divide, after women received their dead, raised to life again, but then it says, and others were tortured. And look at the next three words. Not accepting deliverance. Not accepting deliverance. When you face persecution, you have a choice. You're going to be faced with a choice. Listen, you don't have to be persecuted. All you have to do is say, Caesar is Lord. All you have to do is recant. Say you don't believe these things. We'll let you go. In fact... We'll even sweeten the deal. We'll offer you wealth, privilege. But it's your choice. And how many times throughout history, you read of the martyrs? There were many who tried to persuade them, recant, take back what you've said. You can live. You don't have to die. And then the world marvelled when these people refused the offer. Well, that didn't make any sense. Why didn't he take the? All he had to do was all he had to do was say a few words. All he had to do was bow the knee. The three Hebrew children, prior to their deliverance. Listen, you're gonna fry if you don't. Just all you had to. You can be standing in your heart, just bow the knee outside, you know, and and you you can live. Well, folks, if life were the most precious thing, then yes, you would deliver yourself. But there are things more precious than life here in this earth. There are things worth dying for. And these people by faith did not accept the deal. They did not accept deliverance. And it says why not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection? The believer chooses the better outcome rather than accepting the terms of release. And what is the better outcome? It is a resurrection unto eternal life. the resurrection unto eternal life. Or Martin Luther being asked to recant his writings. Said I cannot. He says to go a conscience. This is neither right nor safe. I cannot and will not recant. So help me God. Here I stand. So help me God. Was reading about some of the martyrs. Thomas Cranmer, another one. Thomas Bilney. Two men who were burned to death, burned alive, because they refused. But they actually did recant. Both of them recanted. You say, well, how could that be? And you wonder, what would I do? Would I recant? Would I try to save my, my skin? Well, I want to tell you this, true faith does not deny Christ. True faith cannot. It will not deny Christ. And you think, well, what about Peter? What about Peter? Well, did Peter persist in his denial? No. He repented. And in the end, he was crucified upside down. Let me give you five passages that speak about enduring faith. In Matthew 10... Again, going back to that passage, you read that, but Matthew 10, verse 16, Jesus is sending out His disciples as sheep in the midst of wolves, and He warns them. Verse 22, and He says, And ye shall be hated of all men for My name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. In Mark, chapter 8, and verse 38, Mark, chapter 8, and verse 38, Whosoever, therefore, shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Luke, chapter 12, verses 8 and 9. Luke twelve verses eight and nine <clears throat> Also I say unto you, Whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God, but he that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. Second Timothy chapter two and verse eleven. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 11, It is a faithful saying, For if we be dead with Him, we shall also live with Him. Look at the next two verses. If we suffer, we shall also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He also will deny us. If we believe not, yet He abideth faithful, He cannot deny Himself. Of course, the Lord's message there in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10 to the church at Smyrna. He says to them, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. True faith, true faith does not Deny the Lord, does not deny truth. Now, there are those who, under great duress, have recanted. I mentioned two of these men Thomas Cranmer, Thomas Bilney, both of them recanted, but they became so miserable and the torture of their mind was so heavy that both of them recanted their recantation <laughs> and there in fact thomas cramer you read his his final speech he was there in the in the church and he was supposed to be giving this and he went off script and he <laughs> And he disavowed his recantation and he said the Pope is the enemy of Christ and he didn't get much past that when they pulled him out of there and burned him. Thomas Bilney was also burned. And there the night before his his, um, martyrdom the next day, and he's the one that said, This is the hand that wrote the recantation. This hand is offended. This should be the first to burn. And then when he stood there in the flames, he thrust his hand into the fire. You cannot help when you read those stories, they are so moving. And the faith that God gave these people and the strength that God gave them and to see the response of the people who witnessed their death. I forget if it was Cranmer or Beliny, but one of them, the, the bishop that was overseeing that says, I'm afraid I have killed Abel and saved Cain. Here were those who did not accept deliverance. People were pleading with them up to the point of the fire being lit. Please, recant. Save yourself. And yet they went rejoicing. I think it was Cramer that looked up and says, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. What a testimony. And it says here of these people, verse 38, speaks of their worth. It says here, of whom the world was not worthy. Of whom the world was not worthy. What is the worth of the faithful? Who does the world think is worthy? Think of who the world places great esteem upon. You think of these immoral movie stars, these immature athletes. They're the gods of this day. The world puts great worth on them. Who's in the news? Who did what? Who said what? And the most worthless, banal, and mundane garbage that the world puts out there is this is important. When it comes down to it, the Scripture says the world didn't even deserve these people to walk upon its surface, of whom the world was not worthy. The Lord stood to receive Stephen as he passed into eternity. Faith does not deny truth. Faith remains faithful to the end. Remember Job. Job suffered greatly, and Job had no idea why he was suffering. His friends thought they did, of course, they were wrong. But after a while, Job's wife finally said, "Job, why don't you just curse God and die?" Job remained faithful to the Lord. In Isaiah chapter forty-three, and verse two, and this this verse has a mark by it I was reading about this and heard about this from another pastor, Thomas Bilney. He had made a mark by this verse before he died. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. What does God promise? He promises in suffering. He promises His presence. I will be with you. John chapter 10. Jesus there speaking of holding us there in His hand. And not only that, but we are held by the Father's hand. The Father who is even, He says... In John chapter 10, verses 28 and 29, and I give unto my sheep, he just said, My sheep hear my voice, I know them, they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. A few chapters later, in John chapter 17, as Jesus prays for his disciples, By extension, praying for all those who would receive the gospel through their testimony. John 17, verse 15, he says, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Of course, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, "...being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ." By faith, by faith, these people suffered great things. By faith, they refused the deliverance offered to them by the world. They stood for the truth. They stood for the Lord. Remember this. That faith, where does it come from? You say, well, if I was in that situation, I wonder what I would do. Well, if you're a believer, I'll tell you what you will do. You will do just what these did. You will stand, and you will stand to the end. And if need be, you will burn. And how do I know that? Because this faith is a gift from God. We do not produce faith. We exercise it. Faith is a gift from God. Peter, in his second epistle, Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 1 in his Introduction is greeting. He says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. If you're a true believer, then you have been given. You have obtained. It's not something you came up with. You have obtained this same precious faith, same faith that Peter had. And God gives dying people dying grace. True faith. True faith does not deny Christ. And I am confident, every confidence to believe that when that time comes, and believe me, folks, we're on the threshold of great persecution. You may be called to die. But don't be surprised. I may be called to die. Don't be shocked. Beloved, think it not strange concerning this fiery trial that is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Persecution is part of the Christian life. Like I said, there are many extremes. We're somewhere in between right now. But when the time comes, God is faithful. And I would encourage you, in fact, I think I might do this a little bit on some Wednesday nights, go back and just revisit some of those testimonies of the martyrs throughout history whom God has sustained through incredible suffering as a testimony to his unfailing strength and his unfailing grace. whom the world was not worthy." Next week, we'll, Lord willing, finish up this chapter. These all obtained a good report. It's not where the verse stops, but it speaks of them. All of these people God was pleased with. They met God's approval. And may it be said of us when we stand before him, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this moving passage before us. Lord, when we pause to consider it, Consider what these people went through not accepting deliverance. They might obtain a better resurrection. Lord, we thank you for saving faith. And Lord, we know that saving faith is a faith that endures to the end. Father, help us to be faithful. Lord, help us daily to be walking with you. Lord, help us to lean on your promises. Lord, help us to be in your word that we might know what they are. We thank you for these examples in scripture. Those who turned their backs on what the world had to offer. And in return, received your commendation, your approval. And Father, we pray that our testimony would be the same. Words in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.